Vasquez said in Aliens, let's rock. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. My name is Yanni Bormeister and we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unified Movement System, the only online program that balances strength, flexibility, and fitness in an efficient 60-minute workout so you can unleash your inner athlete. Get daily coaching by us, plus our epic gym and home UNS programs, extensive exercise library, private coaching group, and weekly coaching calls. As a valued listener, use the link in the description to get your first month free. Before we get started, warm welcome if you're watching on our YouTube channel. Remember to hit that like button. The more likes we get, the more awesome people like you get to see this content. And always subscribe if you like what you see. I'm excited to announce that joining us today, we have Phil White from ADPT Physio. Phil started work in the fitness industry in 2012, first as a remedial massage therapist, and then went on to study exercise and sports science and a doctor of physiotherapy postgraduate degree. Now he runs ADPT Physio, where they specialize in delivering the athlete rehab experience to everyone. Phil has been a massage therapist to the GWS Giants AFL team, Olympians, Paralympians, and a number of other professional athletes. How you doing, mate? Very well. Always love being on these things. I really hate it when I see injured people. I'd just much rather <laughs> spend my time helping people not get injured in the first place. So <laughs> if, hopefully this will help you guys stay away from getting injured and um, keep training. Absolutely. Phil's the only physiotherapist <laughs> I've ever met, other than Nilesh, who uh, partners with him, that like doesn't want to continue seeing people, <laughs> which is not a very good business model I hear, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. but hey, I've, I've been an injured athlete. My, my background was uh, as a ultimate Frisbee. And if you haven't seen ultimate Frisbee before, check it out on YouTube. It's a pretty um, fun sport. looks kind of like American football, but with a Frisbee. Anyway, I had lots of injuries. I saw lots of physios and chiropractors and osteopaths and massage therapists and spent a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of time and money on, on trying to figure out injuries and just kind of couldn't. It wasn't until I learned all this stuff that, um, yeah, it's so much about a lot of the time it's bigger picture stuff than when you often see a, a physio or health practitioner where they really zoom in and they often forget to zoom out and look at the big picture stuff. So hopefully I can give you guys some really good understandings and just remember this isn't uh, specific medical advice. So if you haven't had something diagnosed, like it's really, um, worthwhile to work with a professional, but hopefully what you can get out of listening to me is having the right questions to ask, because I think, you know, knowledge is power and there's often a power dynamic issue with healthcare. So if you can ask the right questions and you can um, really take control of your care. So. Which is also why you want to be part of our UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group or uh, a subscriber to our UMS Online Coaching because that's where this series is coming from. This is the 2021 Unity Gym Tribe Wrap-Up Q&A podcast series. So we put the question out to our um, Facebook groups and uh, asked them what they wanted us to talk about. And we got a lot of questions back and we've sort of in that down to what we believe can give the most amount of value. And that's what we're going to do. Before we do, have you seen the video the going viral of Tom Brady playing catch by himself? Oh, yeah. Yep. Throwing it back into the pitching, the, the throwing machine. So amazing. Oh my God. Yep. I love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's not, uh, has no idea what we're talking about. Just yeah, Google Tom, to Tom Brady like playing Gary catch by Rigg himself. Situations like that with the Frisbee, but it never quite worked out quite as well as he made it look. So. It's so good. He's so, he's so good. Anyway. Okay. This question comes to us from Peter Adamson from the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Peter asks, what's the best way to recover from a tendinopathy? Example, golfer's elbow. He's put that, he, he was actually quite specific at asking golfer's elbow and I kind of reframed it to uh, tendinopathy in general. Uh, and this is an area that we're all very, um, uh, I think, experienced in because we've had, we've had some great 
personal experiences with um, really with golfers elbow and tennis elbow. <laughs> so to to kick things off, I want to get Phil to share his story with golfers elbow. <laughs> yeah. So as as Yanni's alluded to, this is one of the most common things that um, the Unity tribes are asked about because it's just so common and really like a challenging um, condition when you are trying to do a lot of calisthenics and and weight training all together um, and training every day. And I think that, you know, that's a good problem to have much better than, than not training at all, but it's a really common one. So, uh, I personally hadn't had any golfer's elbows. So, um, I, I, I always find that I, I rehab the best when I've kind of had the injury or had some personal experience around it. That's why I think when you do see a professional, like see someone who does the same kind of training or is doing the kind of stuff you'd love to be able to do, because they'll probably have had the, a similar journey and, and, and learned a bit about it. But, um, yeah, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to give myself a golfer's elbow so I can I, I was giving lots, I was giving plenty of advice and it's very easy to sort of give some sort of textbook recipe to follow. But the realities of the human experience is that often sort of following a, <laughs> following a guide is a bit harder in when you've got, um, you know, the human brain to deal with. So, um, and the thing that I really wanted to sort of show is that tendinopathy is a entirely load dependent, um, uh, condition. And what I mean by that is that it's not going to be some interesting silver bullet exercise or some crazy like PRP injection, which is like a fancy thing that some doctors do that we can, we'll talk about a bit later, but it's not like one silver bullet um, exercise or, or intervention that's going to change it. It's thinking about loading and exercise as medicine and the right dosage is going to um, get you better. And the incorrect dosage is going to make things worse. And that incorrect dosage might be too much and it might be too little as well. So what I did was I wanted to show that you could, I could give myself tendinopathy. So I did as many pull-ups in a week as possible. Just every time I walked past a bar, just went to failure with, with, um, supinated grip pull-ups and I did as many elbow, um, sorry, wrist flexion, um, on dumbbell wrist flexion exercise that I could throughout the week. And, uh, yeah, sure enough, by the Friday I had a pretty, uh, spicy elbow. <laughs> so, um, and how's it going? Yeah, it's good now. Like yeah, it's it, good. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was a good experience because it was way harder than, than you think. Then yeah. I like, I kind of knew it'd be quite hard, but just the realities of dealing with an injury like this, that is, um, while also trying to train hard. And I think most of the people we um, work with here in the uni tribe, like everyone, you know, no one wants to stop training. Everyone wants to kind of keep going. And so you'll often sort of make decisions that are based maybe on what's, um, satisfying rather than maybe what the right thing to do is. And so, um, it was just a really interesting um, balance of, of trying to find like, how can I manage this, um, injury while also still hitting, hitting goals. So, yeah. and um, so before we give, um, any more away on, on, on how to, um, overcome, uh, uh, a tendinopathy, Phil purposefully gave himself tendinopathy. I didn't, um, the way, the way it happened for me was that, uh, I was training under very controlled, um, parameters in the gym five days a week. And, uh, on a proper strength and conditioning, uh, program. And I decided, you know, I, I got to that point in my life. I think I was, a, um, sort of early thirties where my friends, my, my cohort of friends started to play, um, I'd given up boxing, which was my competitive sport. And, and I started to go to social events and it was becoming very trendy to either play tennis or golf. And I was terrible at tennis. I'd never picked up a tennis racket. And I believe tennis is one of those games that is sort of hard to pick up in later life. I mean, unless you really give it a lot of time and attention. And, uh, I thought, no, I'm going to play golf. I kind of enjoyed going and having a, having a hit with my mates. And it's a nice long prolonged thing where you're not overly exerting yourself so you can actually talk and catch up. 
And so I traded up my two weekend rest days, uh, where I was usually resting a lot during the weekend, uh, for golf. And like I, I'm very competitive. And so it only took me a few golf games with people that were much better than me to come to the realization that I needed some extra curricular activity to bring my skill level up because the, the guys that I was playing with had been playing for decades already. So I started going and having a hit every weekend. And so I'd go to a driving range usually on Saturday and, uh, and hit, you know, a hundred balls or something like that. And, uh, and then on Sunday I'd play 18 holes. And I think it was probably about a month before I had the most horrific, uh, golfer's elbow and realistically it was just really piss poor load management because I was giving my, uh, you know, there's, it's very hard not to stimulate and, uh, and expose your forearms to stimulus because you're gripping just to put weight plates on the barbells, even leg day, they get a workout, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, it just was that a matter of just really excessive load, you know, abusive yeah. amounts of load with zero recovery. Yeah. And so we'll talk about that, that load management in a second, but I think probably before we really jump into it, it's probably worth clarifying exactly sort of what it is and what it's not. Yeah. And also we've, we've used a bunch of terminology here where we're referring to it in tendinopathy, but I don't be, be interested when, um, you got this question through, did they say tendinopathy or did they say tendinitis or just golfer's elbow? They said golfer's elbow. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So there's like lots of different names you might see for this and basically what is actually going on is it's a, um, and this is a mistake a lot of people make is that they sort of think that like every chronic condition, that's not an acute condition, people, especially in this crowd will think, oh, it's a, it's a tendinopathy, um, and jump straight to that. So just to be really clear what it is, it's, it's the tendon itself. Um, basically every structure in your body has a capacity of load that it can handle and load is going to come in the form of sort of a strength load. So you might think about when I was doing those, um, uh, um, but the dumbbell curls uh, for wrist flexion, that's going to be like the strength load is how much um, strength you're actually putting through it. For your Achilles, that might be how much weight you're doing a, um, a calf raise or, um, you know, even being a heavier person, that might put more strength load. Um, then there's going to be a stretch stretch load as well. So if you're um, basically doing lots of um, handstand work, then that's going to put the um, tendon under a bit of stretch. Um, or if you're stretching your Achilles or calves, that's going to be a stretch load. Um, then there's going to be a compressive load. So that's basically how much um, you're pressing into the area or how much that um, tendon is being squished against the, the bone. And that might also kind of correspond to that stretch load as well. Because when you're stretching, you basically get a bit more um, compression against the bone. And then there's the um, uh, the spring-like load, which is what tendons are really amazing for, is they add a lot of efficiency to the body because they work like springs. So your muscles don't have to do quite as much work when you're trying to produce speed and force. Um, so when you're running, um, your calves are doing a bit of work, but your Achilles is basically acting like a spring and so is your patella tendon in your knees. Um, so that's kind of what um, tendons are. And tendons, just to be really clear, is what attaches a muscle to a bone. So it's non-contractile tissue. So it's a um, basically kind of like this... Um, this spring that's attaching the um, the contractile muscle to a static bone. So um, going then back to um, why golfers and um, tennis elbow are named that way, it really commonly happens in people who are playing those because you can think about when you're hitting a golf ball, you're actually causing that spring-like loading in the upper body. There's not many things that cause a spring-like effect um, for those muscles. So this is, um, just a really good example of it's often that spring like mechanism that is one of the most aggravating for things for tendons. So that's why golf, like for elbow, um, 
and off these, it's, it's really those two activities that cause that sort of, um, that shock absorbing spring-like, um, action there. So, um, and it, you know, you probably would have heard it referred to in the past as tendonitis. And there used to be this sort of idea that it was an inflammatory condition. You needed to take anti-inflammatories and rest. Um, but there's been so much research into this to show that that's kind of one of the worst <laughs> long-term things you can do. Because when you do get an abusive load, as, as the words that I like that um, Yanni used there, is basically if you think about all those different types of loading that I talked about there, um, they all kind of create a, a think about an analogy like a bucket, and each of those loads that you apply um, to the tendon, think about like a different tap is turning on, and basically if you um, any one of those or a combination of those loads, um, you turn on the tap so much that your bucket starts to aggressively overflow, then you can start this process that is called tendinopathy and so there is going to be an inflammatory component at the beginning where you do get this kind of like um, redness and maybe a bit of swelling um, but it's basically like your body is trying to quickly lay down lots of tissue to make um, this um, this tendon be able to handle uh, this increased load but your body kind of it, you've done it too quickly and basically the turnover of the tissue happens really fast so you're you're taking lots of tissue away and you're building lots of tissue and you can kind of get a tendon that doesn't look like it's, um, you know, quite structurally the same as what it was before. Um, and then the problem there is if you then start to totally rest it, then you're going to just increase the amount of, um, like with rest, you're basically increasing the taking away of, um, tissue there because your body's really thrifty and it's like, oh, we don't need, <laughs> uh, to send more if you don't move it, you resources it. there. Yep. But then again, doing too much kind of causes again, you're overflowing that bucket. So it's just really tricky as we've, um, you know, everyone's probably found to, to find that sweet spot of exactly how much um, load to put. But just to go back again to when I caused myself the tendopathy and the way that I went about doing it, I was very specific in the way I did it because I wanted to show that basically the same exercises that I did to cause myself tendinopathy are exactly the same ones that I'd then use to rehab the tendinopathy because it's entirely about dosage of load, not some silver bullet magical treatment that makes you better yeah and that was the big i think takeaway for me the first time i got it i did i went straight to the um the physio that was in the gym at, at fitness first and and their immediate reaction was okay you need to ha have a few weeks off rest you know and and i was it was phenomenal how frustratingly painful it was when i came back like the 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 if if, if the burning sort of pinching whatever you want to call it stabbing jabbing whatever the how you would describe the pain uh because it's it's a it's a small insertion point in the elbow there so it's not like it sort of you feel it everywhere you feel it it's quite a specific area that you feel it yeah and just with diagnostic stuff that's one thing when you're trying to and obviously you work with a professional for this but uh tendinopathy pain are very localized so you don't get this kind of diffuse spreading of pain around it it's very much a pinpoint spot on the specific tendon and it's very and it's going to be load dependent increase in pain so like yeah basically um those are the two things so when i say load dependent so the it more you like, load it the more it hurts yeah, yeah but then it also has a warm-up factor so and that's the real um yeah. shitty confusing thing, thing yeah, isn't confusing it? <laughs> thing. yeah i was going to talk about that um and so anyway that yeah that the the this person sort of suggested that i take a few weeks off i came back picked up a set of dumbbells and it just felt it immediately, but it had gone from maybe a seven out of 10 to a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Now I couldn't right. hardly even pick the dumbbells yeah. up. I was like, what the hell? I've just taken three weeks off to do absolutely nothing, you yeah. know? And, uh, and I, and that, and then that of course really frustrated me. And it, and it wasn't until I ended up just sort of n n disregarding everything that I'd been told and I just went stuff it. I just cannot 
handle not exercising. So I just came back and started exercising and then it sort of started to go away. It never fully went away, but it went away to a point where I could manage it and still get a workout in and it was okay. It felt a little bit uncomfortable, but it was okay. And it wasn't until years and years and years later that we started working together that you sort of explained it to me. And then I went back and sort of did a bunch of, I guess you would say rehab, but it was just more specific exercises on the forearms and things like that and properly managed it. And, um, and then, you know, I, I, since then I've sort of had little flare ups here and there at the moment, it sort of doesn't, it doesn't feel amazing, but it doesn't never stops me from training now, you know, because I'll just adjust one of, or more, um, variables of load where it might be range of movement. It might be how much weight I'm lifting. It might be how much volume I expose it to. I've have, have the ability and knowledge to be able to manipulate those variables on a professional level and, uh, and, and slightly adjust the program so that I'm not overdoing it and it never, it never gets worse. And usually it's never a problem, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it, it really, really does require, um, a different strategy than like an acute muscle tear where you go, okay, bang, I've torn something and I now need to go and let that heal, let it sort of, I guess, re, um, uh, remodel and, remodel yeah. and attach yeah. and, and, uh, yeah. And so that's one of the really interesting things about tendinopathy and something that I think is a key thing to understand. And I would really recommend as well, listening to some of the episodes and we're going to do some good episodes on, um, pain science and tissue healing. Cause I'll go into more detail here. Otherwise I'll just speak forever about <laughs> this one topic, but with the idea of healing, like a lot of people think like, oh, it needs to basically look perfect on a scan for then for me to be pain-free. And what is so important to understand is that's just not the case. So like with tendinopathy, it's quite likely that um, if you, for example, like I've got, um, you know, I've had Achilles tendinopathy and, um, and I gave myself <laughs> this forearm one. And if you scan both of my arms, like you'd probably see some tendinopathy-like changes in both my Achilles and my, um, my forearms, but that doesn't like, I have zero symptoms on my, um, left side on for both the Achilles and the, um, and the forearms. So there's, there's almost certainly changes there and that's the changes are going to happen if you've been active and if you've loaded the tendon and that's like a totally normal thing. Just like when you grow older, you get wrinkles. Like we don't suddenly think like, Oh, if I'm, if I don't have if, if I can't get rid of my wrinkles, my skin's going to be ineffective. Like, no, yeah. it's just like age related change and load related change. And that's okay. Um, but so scanning is a really bad way of, um, basically looking at progression in, in getting past, um, an injury, um, for specifically for, well, for lots of things, but specifically for tendinopathy, like you, when you go through a, a, like a rehab protocol that we'll get into in a bit, um, you'll get to the end of that. And if you went and then got scanned, you might go see, oh, it looks pretty much exactly the same as before. And that can be really demoralizing, but really like it's pain and function is the things that you're looking at. Um, and, and again, we're going to talk about this in another episode, but the idea of like, um, pain versus suffering, I think is really interesting where like pain is quite a normal thing for humans to experience. And I think a lot of the time people get so hung up on um, any sort of experience of pain that then they stop doing anything that provokes even the slightest amount. But I just want to clarify there's like a difference between pain, which is, you know, experiencing a, a sensation and then having an experience of this discomfort versus suffering, which is going to be having that um, experience then influence what you're doing with your life. And I think it's just really like, and, and do listen to um, the pain science ones where we go a bit more into detail. But I think there are some people who just get so hung up on if there's something hurting there, then that means that I can't do it. And that stops and that withdraws them from doing what they love. 
and that's just something that we really need to um, love change that. mind. Yeah, I love that. And I'm I'm um, very excited about our pain science discussion that's going to happen uh, <laughs> in, in either the next episode or the one after that. So um, let's just give everyone a summary of uh, uh, if you've been diagnosed with um, tendinopathy, and I, I, I will always say, and Phil has said this before, you it is very important that you go and get the correct diagnosis. But to, to, to really reiterate, uh, it, it, I would very much, if you're a really, really, um, enthusiastic gym, um, uh, gym enthusiast, uh, uh, then find a physiotherapist who is also a gym enthusiast who also works out. You know, if you're a, a football player, then find a physio who is either has played or is playing or treats football players, you know, because you, it does, it does really change the approach. It really does change what they know and understand about those types of injuries and, um, and yeah, you know, and, and the beauty of, uh, modern physiotherapy is that like, hopefully you can see that so much of this, I haven't talked about me doing anything to my patients yet with hands-on therapy, with needles. As I said, there's no like, like fancy treatment that is going to like no amount of, um, yeah, fancy treatment is going to suddenly make this go away. It's all just having that right understanding of how to progress. So if you can't find anyone local to you who, um, does those things, like reach out online. COVID has been wonderful for um, facilitating like online, online. consultations because yeah. it really is, um, for, particularly for things like this, like it's a wonderful way to um, just get that advice you need to really progress through because it is it's hard to do yourself um, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know this stuff. So um, reach out to someone. If, if, it, if you're into a really particular sport and you know that there's a physio who does online consultations for it, like reach out to them. And, yeah. and people are going to be good at different things. Like physio is not a... Um, a recipe physio is a profession and everyone's going to have their own interests and own, um, sort of biases and, and experiences. So if you tried a physio once and you've said, or a physical therapist in the U S and you've said like, oh, they didn't help me. Like that doesn't mean that all physios are yeah, the same. So 100%. <laughs> just have that hundred percent. Physio is a profession. It's not a treatment or practice. No. Okay. Summary in summary, very quickly in, uh, two minutes, Strategy for uh, tendinopathy. It, it is confirmed. It's a it's a tendinopathy, a yep. golfer's elbow, or a tennis elbow, or an Achilles tendinopathy. Let's just give them the two minute rundown of what we've said. In yeah. Summary. So looking at if you do have that, like you're you're definitely confident it's tendinopathy. You think about okay, what are my aggravating factors? Like what are the things that really um, get it? And so in um, uh, forearm tendinopathy, if we're staying with golfer's elbow, it's probably going to be anything that's really grip related. Um, well, first off, if there's going to be that um, spring-like thing, so if you're playing golf or tennis, um, playing lots of that, it's going to be probably quite challenging. So that's you're looking at the spring-like loading, or it might more commonly in the Unity Tribe, it's going to be people who are doing heavy strength loading of the forearm muscles. Because remember, it's the muscles that control your wrist and your fingers that then go up and attach into your elbow here. So you've got to think like, okay, what are the aggravating factors? Um, and then how can I then modulate those so... Modulate, I mean, like How change those so that then if you have that bucket in your mind, currently I'm overflowing the bucket. If it's really angry, yep. um, then how can I bring that back a little bit? So now your water is staying in the bucket. If you've gone the other approach and you've done absolutely nothing, now it's time to start yep. to start gradually building that so up. So a very basic um, example would be if you if you're used to playing 18 holes, just yeah. play nine holes for a little while. Yeah, and see how it is. Know, if and that's, see how it goes. If that's like tolerable and then you want to then try doing 12 holes next time and then yep. you're like and then you realize oh, oh no 12 holes is too much yeah tried like you know doing yep. 10 yep. <laughs> so it's just and, it's and a bit of experimentation it's okay to have flare-ups yeah or um uh practice your short game yeah you know don't try and hit uh 300 meter drive yeah. drivers absolutely love that you know? like 
that's what I say with everyone is like injuries are an opportunity to work on those things that you don't usually prioritize. Yeah. So, you know, if go, you, if you do like golf, putt. yeah, go you know, practice your putting. Like it's yeah, an amazing yeah. time to do that. Yeah. Um, and yes, the, the feedback about whether or not the aggravating factors are like, if you've done too much, too little is generally going to be that 24 hour pain. So when you wake up in the morning, often you'll, you'll have known, like it's really, <laughs> um, often things will be pretty sore in the morning and you'll generally have like a baseline level of like, okay, every morning it's, you know, um, like three out of 10. If you do a bout of exercise on the day before and that goes to five or six, then you think, okay, what I did yesterday, I've probably loaded one of those parameters or a bunch of those too much. Um, how can I bring that back and get to that sort of baseline pain? If you do, um, if your baseline pain is the same or slightly lower, then you've probably got it about right. Now with specifics of like what exercise to do, as I said, it's not going to be um, some fancy new thing that you probably haven't tried before. It's thinking, okay, where, which tendon is it? Is it, if it's a forearm, um, and wrist flexion for the um for the golfer's elbow wrist extension for the um the tennis elbow like how can i dose that really well that i provide enough stimulus to um stimulate some recovery and but not so much that it's um yeah going to get sore again or, or or be exacerbated so with the type of loading there's been lots of different like it used to be all about the um eccentric loading protocols for tendinopathy and that came from a guy who um similar to self-experimentation with, with me, he actually tried to rupture his own Achilles by doing so many um, calf raises that his, his Achilles would snap because he was so sick of his tendinopathy and he accidentally healed himself. Um, and so the Alfredson protocol of like massive load, like massive volume of eccentric loading, um, he turned his experimentation of trying to snap his Achilles so he could get surgery into what was the very popular um, loading protocol for <laughs> yeah, the wow. next like however many years. But uh, there's so much research into it and the takeaway is heavy, slow resistance is now what's suggested to be the most effective and so the idea with heavy slow resistance is your concentric and eccentric are both going to be slow so that means the lifting your wrist up and lowering your wrist back down is going to be um really quite slow and you're doing it heavy it's not like a lot of people think with rehab it's always go to 15 reps and do it really light no, yeah. no this is like you want to be doing it so by the fifth one you're like oh yeah. this is heavy and you're probably failing about the sixth yeah um so that's kind of the uh, general approach is that heavy slow resistance and then using that 24 hour pain as feedback and pain within the exercise is okay yeah that's something you're that actually you have to aiming, around. you're aiming for enough stimulus that it's like oh but you kind of use this traffic light system of around sort of two three four is probably all right if you're going above that orange light if you're getting above like six seven eight <laughs> then you're probably putting a red, red light, light. Yeah. so and again work the professional on this like you do want to um get these sort of this right but it um that's the the um, big picture stuff. And then there's some really interesting research at the moment into the kind of like with pain, as you'll find out in the pain science episodes, like the brain is huge for, um, for pain. And there's some really interesting research looking at um, kind of turning, like impacting the brain. And I'll, I'll, this is really a big topic, but I'll simplify it into using a metronome is a way of turning this into almost a skill where your brain is instead of doing a, um, like you're, you're making your brain become a bit more involved with a bit more, few more brain centers to make it um, like a pre-planned thing to try and um, do it with a metronome. And it, that stimulus of your brain actually has some interesting effects on some of the pain pathways and it's been shown to be a bit more effective. So with your, um, I know we use metronomes for, for teaching people with tempo with other lifts, but specifically for your tendinopathy work, do it with a, do it with a metronome. And yeah, I, really. There's a, <laughs> I, yeah, we don't have time for, for me to go. Tempo, I'm going to ask you that again when we talk about pain science. I'll remember that I'm going to make a yeah, note here. So now, yeah, that's the the quick version. <laughs> okay, so 
I don't know about you all, uh, I'm speaking to the audience, but, um, the next time I get tendinopathy, uh, as insightful as that was, I am 100% going to give Phil a call. So, <laughs> because there's a lot to I it. Know, and so much information know, there. I'm sorry if that's overwhelming. No, but, no, no, not yeah. at all. I mean, it's really important that we get it out there because, um, it is, it is such a common thing that people are hitting us up and asking us about, but the reality is, is that you really, really do want to do it with a good, with, with some good guidance, with a good professional. And, and the fact is now you don't need to fly to Australia to work with Phil. You can work with him online. You can get, you can connect with him through our Facebook groups. There's all sorts of different ways. And, uh, again, the best way to connect with Phil outside of our, uh, podcast here is to hit him up on either their Instagram channel. They have, um, Phil, uh, at, um, ADPT physio. So it's just at ADPT physio on Instagram. And he, they, they're posting lots and lots of really insightful content. Uh, they're doing more and more and more of that. And of course you can book in for an in-person or online session with Phil at ADPT.physio. No, not, no.com, no, no, no uh, au. It's just adpt.physio. Uh, and if you I do adptphysio.com, you'll get redirected. So. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> honestly, yeah. If, for, for something like that, for tendinopathy, it's not really straightforward. And the, the most bizarre thing is the worst thing you can do is ignore it and just push through. And the second and almost equal worst thing you can do is stop training completely yeah. and try and take time off to let it heal it, it, it you will come back with more pain yeah, and i hope you guys find like although i went in pretty complex it, it, it's sort of a lot simpler in many ways than a lot of people think yeah and hopefully it's quite empowering to realize that it's like you don't like i didn't get a chance to talk about prp here and and some of the science around that but like there isn't like something that you can like expensive surgery or, or prp or whatever that will um, be the answer. It, it's actually stuff that you can do for yourself. You just need the right guidance. So hopefully it's kind of an empowering message rather than a frustrating, overwhelming message. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think it's really simple. You just scale back what you're already doing and continue doing it. Find the sweet spot. All right. Pleasure, Phil. Pleasure talking always. to you always. Love Thank it. you very much for joining us. Thank you, Richard. Uh, and we will see you all in the next episode.